The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Start clean with Clorox. Because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well. Ooh, yeah. That happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. Hello, and welcome to Circling the Bases, a podcast from NBC Sports Edge. I am Chris Crawford, and I'll be hosting this fine podcast every Thursday morning, bringing in some smart folks from around the baseball industry to talk all things fantasy baseball and a whole lot more. And before I introduce today's very special guest, now is a good time to let you know that we've expanded our roster, and we're going to be bringing you Circling the Bases every weekday morning. Matt Williams will recap the weekend and bring you some fun analytical stuff that can help your fantasy team on Mondays. Drew Silva and Janice Scurio will give you a look at Drew's power rankings on Tuesday. Colin Henderson and myself will host on Wednesday. I and a special guest, like you just heard, will host on Thursday. And DJ Short and Mr. Silva will break things down on Friday. So there's lots of good stuff to keep an eye on. And if you haven't already subscribed, you should really rectify that. It's a lot of good stuff, and we're very excited to have you with us for this 2021 season. So let's bring in my guest. You have assuredly read his work before at places like Baseball Perspectives, Vice, and several other quality publications. He's now an MLB staff writer for CBS Sports. Please let me welcome RJ Anderson. RJ, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing well. I was, we were talking about this just before we recorded, and uh, I've known RJ since either 2013 or 2014 <laughs> is when I believe we met. And this is the actual first conversation we've had not online. So that just kind of speaks yeah. to... Uh, how this goes. And I, I will just embarrass RJ for a second. He's been extremely helpful for my career. Uh, he is a guy that uh, has been just a really, really solid human being and has helped me an awful lot. So I'll embarrass you like I embarrassed Keith. Thank you very much, RJ. <laughs> uh, I didn't do much, but yeah. You did remember, quite a bit. You know, I remember reading your draft guides back you know, back in the day. Like, geez, I'm trying to think of which players were in those. And it was just, you know, <laughs> there was so much information and uh, it was clear that you were good at what you did. And, Thank you, sir. Anything I can do to help talented, good people, I do. Okay. Well, you've embarrassed me more than (laughs) I embarrassed you, and so I I do appreciate it. So I have to ask you this first question because I asked Keith this. I asked the Suspended Family Barbecue this. It's an important thing that's going on. Do you have a thought on St. Louis pizza? I actually had no idea what St. Louis pizza was until you told me to be aware of it last night. And even after Googling it, I'm not 100% sure I understand what it is other than a variation. And I would say I would eat it, but that's true of basically every variation of pizza. I know that's one of the good variations right now that we can talk okay. about, right? Yeah, exactly. That is the best variation to be talked about right now in 2021 for sure. Yeah. So I have to say, 
That's certainly the most positive thing that's been said about Uh-oh. St. Louis so far. Uh, other than, so uh, NBC Sports Edge, uh, about 99.99999% of it seems to live in St. Louis. So mm-hmm. they all have, you know, a bias. And and they even admitted, admit <laughs> that it's like, it's something of, of an acquired taste. So uh, Drew keeps calling it pizza nachos. I keep thinking that's not a very appetizing <laughs> description, but... But it is what it is. So we'll we'll count this in the win column for St. Louis Pizza. And we'll, we'll call it we'll call it two two and one. So you're getting there, Drew. You're getting there, Ryan. So. I gotta say, pizza nachos sounds good to me, though. Okay, uh, there pizza you go. fries. I would probably yeah. eat. I mean, gosh, you you combine pizza in almost anything, and it sounds good to me. So that that's totally fair. The the <laughs> only thing for me, I I actually haven't tried it yet. It's just the idea of Prevel cheese, that this fake cheese to me, man, <laughs> it's, it's really a hit and miss thing, but uh, yeah. it, it could be worse. So so now that we got that out of the way, let's talk about talk a little bit of baseball. And uh, I've been asking this question, too, because I think it's actually kind of a fascinating one. Um, last year's sample size was just so darn small, and this year's sample size is small as well, but we're almost to the point of where we're kind of close to a halfway point of where we were in 2021. So yeah. I'll, I'll ask you, RJ, as a person who is not only, I'm going to try to embarrass you again, a great writer, but a pretty great analyst and a pretty good person with the eye test as well. How uh, much sample size do you need before you could take things seriously? And I, I realize that the obvious answer is going to be a case-by-case basis, but if you had to make it a generalization, how much sample do you need for something to actually become a thing? Yeah, I mean, you took the words out of my mouth. I was going to say it's very much a case-by-case basis. But yeah, I mean, if you're talking about, I guess you can break it down by player class, right? You know, if we're talking about a veteran player who has an established track record, I am more inclined to trust the larger sample. Now, there are exceptions to that. For instance, if a larger sample was very bad and suddenly the player is performing well, yeah, it's going to raise my eyebrows. And, you know, you being a Mariners fan, there are a couple of players on that roster who would fit that. You know, for instance, uh, Sam Haggerty. I right. certainly would be a little skeptical of him continuing to perform as well as he has so far. Right. Uh, I would have said the same thing about Ty France and Dylan Moore, though. So right. who knows, right? Um, with younger players, you know, I'm still trying to figure out what exactly to do with some of the younger players. You know, last year was so unusual. Right. And I'm still not sure how do you evaluate some of these kids who came up over the last, you know, 12 months and, sure. you know, especially the ones who struggled, you know, the ones who excelled, it's like, okay, great. You know, clearly they can overcome, you know, adversity, <laughs> some really odd yeah. um, circumstances and Hey, great for them. That probably bodes well for their future. But the ones who have struggled, you don't want to write them off and you don't want to say, Oh, you know, clearly we missed something when we were evaluating them in 2019. So I'm still trying to figure that out. But in terms of, you know, just in general, rule of thumb, I think that, overreacting to small samples is one of the worst things you can do as a baseball analyst. And sure, you know, we're tempted to do it, you know, especially, I mean, I think you do radio hits, I do radio hits and you know, it's yeah. always okay. You know, are you buying that the Yankees are this bad or that the twins yeah. are this bad? And I'm always yeah. saying, we know the talent is there. Yeah. We know that there are some underlying things that they need to fix. But at the same time, I tried to frame it this way. If some of these things had happened in June over, you know, 50 plate appearances, hundred plate appearances, we probably wouldn't even have noticed them. Nope. So, you know, let's keep that in perspective. Let's not overreact to a small sample. But I do agree, you know, it's been a very weird year and I can't wait till we get back to normal for a lot of reasons, but especially, sure. you know, analyzing baseball. 
Yeah, I mean, that's uh, Jake and I, uh, Jake and Jordan and I were talking about this last week that we just can't wait for game 61. You know what I mean? Just to be, just to be able to say that we have reached past that point. And, you know, I I took, I took the the answer out of you, but it really is fantasy managers need to do realize that these have to be case by case basis. You know, it's not every player is the same. And there were so many extenuating circumstances going on last year that I get that you, the eye test for me is always going to matter because I have, a, yeah. it sounds weird to say, but I have a little bit of a scouting background. So I, I'm looking <laughs> at what is going on with these players. I, I, the eye test is always going to matter me to me a little bit more than the analytics. I think you have to use the analytics as well. You just can't let the analytics use you. But it, yeah. it really is a case where there are just some guys that last year, I'm just throwing it out because there was so much stuff going on and the sample size a bad April to June for players that someday could be getting hall of fame votes. It's just <laughs> not something that I can do. Um, and then, so one of the players I think we over- overreacted the most to is a player named Vladimir Guerrero jr. Now, Vladdy jr. Has gotten off to an exceptional start. Uh, he just, he's had one at bat on Wednesday night when we're recording this and struck out. So, Clearly, we, we've got to overreact again. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, he, he had a huge game on Tuesday night. Three homers, seven RBIs. Coming into the night, he was hitting 360, 484, 693, seven homers, 19 RBI, more walks than strikeouts. So yeah. I guess my question for you is not, is Vladimir Guerrero good? Because I think the answer to that question is both obvious and it remains to be seen. But my question for you with Vladimir Guerrero would be, just what kind of ceiling are we talking about with this kid? Oh, I mean, you know, back in the day, the comparison was to Miguel Cabrera, right? Right. And I think part of that comparison was, you know, he was the third baseman. He was likely to have to move to first base. And he was, right. you know, clearly heading that path as a youngster. But um, I, guess, I guess it works, right? You know, he's yeah. hit for average. Clearly, you know, he's seemingly improved his launch angle in a way that's going to allow him to tap into that substantial raw power. You know, sure. he's always had a better approach and has been more prone to walking than his father ever was, which, yes. you know, hey, that adds to his overall offensive value. So I think that's probably Absolutely. a fair one. Um, you know, <laughs> whether he is able to put up those kind of numbers for as long as Cabrera did, we'll see. You right. Know, certainly a lofty ceiling to hit. As you said, you know, if he does that, he's going to get Hall of Fame votes one day. So yeah. we'll see. But yeah. I think that's probably the comparison that sticks in my mind. And I don't think I've ran across a better one. Would you agree that that's probably yeah, the totally. best, best I mean, case scenario? <laughs> that is the best case scenario. And I think it's fair to make that comparison now. I don't know if you remember Kevin Maiton, uh, that that whole situation where he was getting compared to Miguel Cabrera yeah. before even playing a professional game. That was silly. Um, I just think with Guerrero, it was so much a victim of unrealistic circum- or unrealistic expectations because – we got spoiled by what we saw from Juan Soto and Ronald Acuna Jr. and Mike Trout, even though Mike Trout's first sample size was obviously terrible, very small, but terrible. I mean, if you told me that a 20 to 21-year-old was going to play in 123 games and was going to have an OPS of right around – OPS plus of 109 in that time frame in 183 games, sign me the heck up. That's really yeah. impressive. But because we had these expectations of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. becoming the next Juan Soto or the next Miguel Cabrera or whatever superstar you want to compare him to, 
looking at those numbers and seeing 269, 336, 442 coming into the year just isn't very impressive. But I think we really should have been impressed by what was going on. It's just we have been spoiled by what has been going on. And also, I want to say this, too. Like, Baseball Savant does a lot of really good work. But I think we all took a look at that ground ball rate and said what was wrong with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. instead of what we should have been saying was, okay, so this is obviously the area that he can improve. I mean, it's tough because, you know, you want to use that information. Again, it's very valuable stuff. But sometimes I think it could be a little bit misleading. Yeah, I think that the precision gives us a false sense of security. Great point. You know, we look at it and we say, okay, you know, clearly if he had a launch angle that was five to 10 degrees higher, he'd be doing more damage um, in terms of extra base hits and whatnot. And, you know, therefore that's the optimal outcome. We kind of forget that it takes time. You know, we didn't have this information a decade ago. We don't know what the normal, I mean, we, I don't even know if we have enough data to do like aging curves on some of the stuff. So it's very important to, I appreciate the data. You know, this is a great time to be a baseball fan because you have all this information that back in the day, I mean, gosh, I remember having to make pitch FX charts in Excel. Like I'd have to download the data and then make those. Like there was no website that I could go to and find those. So <laughs> to be able to pull up like live exit velocity and it's all amazing. this stuff, it's just, it is amazing. And I'm very thankful for it, but I'm also very conscious and cognizant that, you know, don't get over your skis here. Like, let's keep in mind, like, you know, the small samples and, the ability to improve and all yes. that stuff like it still applies and when you're talking about someone like vladimir guerrero jr who was held as a generational talent you have to assume that there is the ability to make those adjustments and so yeah i'm not really surprised that he's made those adjustments it was just a matter of when and yeah. you know if you had told me entering the season oh he's gonna break out this year i would have said yeah there's a pretty good chance and of course yeah. if you had told me it will take another year or two i would have said Fair enough, but you know I'm gonna bet on this guy having at least one monster season in the next three or four years. Absolutely, yeah. I think it's it's just fair to say that those who drafted him in the basically was drafted in the fourth round in most Yahoo leagues are uh, not complaining too much. And uh, a player that player fantasy owners shouldn't be complaining about either right now is the start of Nick Solak. And Solak had another monster game as well. On Tuesday, he went three for four with two homers. He's slashing 307, 390, 568, <laughs> and he's gone deep seven times. So yeah. Nick Solak is a guy – we've actually talked about Nick Solak on, on on the good gold Google chat quite a bit as a player that <laughs> we both we both liked a lot more than I think that the industry did. And I can yeah. certainly understand the Tampa Bay trade because their organization has about 73 Nick Solaks in them. I mean, it's just yeah. an organization that seems to be – built with these type of players. They've done a great job. But I certainly believe Nick Solak is for real. My question for you is, do you think the power is for real? Or is this just kind of one of those spurts? Uh, what should we expect from Nick Solak going forward? Yeah, the power is a great question. But yeah. as you mentioned, I was high on him. I thought he was yeah. going to break out this year. And the reason that I was so high on him is because if you look at last year's numbers, despite you know mediocre top line results, he was one of like a handful of players who essentially hit the ball 90 miles per hour or better. And that's on average to be clear. And also yeah. made contact on about 90% of his end zone swings. And wow. when I say a handful, I'm talking about the Mookie Betts and the Anthony Rendon's of the league, like good hitters. You don't fluke into that for the most part. If you're doing right. that, you are a good hitter. So yeah, I was very high on him during the season. 
the funny thing is, you know, his contact rate, contact rate has kind of plummeted this year. So he's still hitting the ball hard. Right. And I, I would do wonder, I haven't looked into this deeply. I do wonder if maybe there's a bit of a swing change where he's lofting the ball a little bit more. And in that case, then I don't think he's going to be slugging 568 when all is said and done. But I do wonder right. if he's going to get closer to 20 home runs than maybe I would have said a month ago. So I do think he's going to be an above average hitter. It just may take a different form than I originally expected. Yeah, that's that's a, I think a great point, and I do think I I haven't gotten to watch every Nick Solak at bat because you know they just won't pay <laughs> me to do they just won't pay me to do that. I've asked nicely, but they just won't do it. <laughs> um, but I do think I see a little bit more loft in his swing. I'm a big fan of this guy, and I I do think that the average is certainly legit. I think a lot of people got thrown off by a pretty mediocre couple of months last year. But like you said, yeah. the metrics suggested that there was quite a bit of bad luck. And let's not forget in 2019, again, a very small sample size. This was a guy who hit 293, 393, 491, uh, five homers. I, I have some defensive questions with Nick Solak. Um, yeah. But offensively, I don't think that there's any doubt that this guy's going to hit. Um, but yeah, that this is a really interesting case because – it is still a small sample size, but he is just making so much hard contact, and the ball is just flying out right now. Um, I guess the, the 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 question again is going to be, what variation do we see of this player? And we see this yeah. all the time. We see players that are talented that look like they're going to be contact oriented, who end up uh, becoming twenty five, thirty homers because of swing changes, or they just get stronger. And sometimes we see vice versa, guys who. Uh, look like they showed plus power who end up being um, more average oriented. That's happening less and less because of the way the game is going right now. But I, I'm buying on Nick Solak. It, it's definitely yeah. a player who um, I don't expect him to be a star like he has been so far this year. It's also interesting. I just noticed he's been hit six times, which is uh, quite a bit for uh, 24 games. Being on pace to be hit 40 times can't be a whole heck of a lot of fun. But yeah, yeah. definitely – yeah, yeah. Uh, but, uh, if you look at his career line, this is in 115 big league games now. He's hit 283, 359, 433, and he's been hit 12 times. It's kind of like Michael Young profile, yeah. right? Yeah, so maybe, exactly. Maybe he's the reincarnation of Michael Young for the Rangers. Defensive questions and all. Yeah, absolutely. And another thing, too, I would expect maybe Nick Solak to start running a little bit more, uh, something he certainly did in the minors. And he's yeah. 11 for 13 in his career. I don't think there's any reason to think that he won't have uh, 15 to 20 type steel seasons. So before we get into the second half of the show, uh, we've got to pay some bills here. Uh, <laughs> we, we have a special offer for our listeners. If you use promo code BASIS10, you can get 10% off any subscription from NBC Sports Edge Plus. It can be used monthly, it can be used annually, and it can be used for any tier. And not only can you use it for baseball season tools, your subscription covers the NBA, the NHL, Go Kraken, and NFL. So it's a great value, and it can help you if you play baseball or if you just have your hand in all sports. So remember, promo code BASIS10, and you can go to NBCSportsEdge.com slash premium to get started. And also make sure you're checking out the new NBC Sports Edge app. It features a clean new look with fantastic information and the ability to customize that information as well. Just search for NBC Sports Edge in either the Apple Store or the Google App Play Store. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. 
Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. (laughs) Well. Ooh, yeah. That happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. So real quick, I'm going to talk about my prospect list, and this is something I'm going to be bringing up every Thursday. Um, just going over the top five real quick. Number one, still Jared Kelnick, which is just a matter of when we're going to see him. The Mariners say that they're having him work on uh, some left-on-left stuff. It, it sounds nice on paper. We all know what's going on here. Jared Kelnick will be up very soon. Number two is Davey Garcia, who made a start for the, for the Yankees uh, shortly after the list was published. Pitched okay, had some issues with command, still a nice long-term option. Even though he was just sent down, I expect that he'll be part of the rotation very soon. Uh, Wander Franco at three. The only reason he's at three is because we have absolutely no idea when we're going to see him. I have no doubt we're going to see him, but it's just a matter of when. Uh, number four, Logan Gilbert. The Mariners, you know, they're they're in contention right now, but they need some help. And uh, Logan Gilbert is arguably their most talented starter. It would not shock me at all. If he was actually up before Kelnick, even with the Mariners doing this six-man rotation, he's going to miss bats at a very high rate. I'm very excited about his future. And Mackenzie Gore, uh, number five, the best pitching prospect in baseball, similar to Franco, where we just don't know exactly when he's going to get called up, but the upside is extreme there. RJ, of those five, anybody really stand out to you there? I'm really waiting to see those Mariners uh, to some right there. You know, I, yeah. I know – it's hard to think about this without thinking about the Kevin Mather comments and oh, gosh, it's yeah. played out basically exactly as he said he would. And, you know, you yeah. mentioned the left on left thing. I actually hadn't seen those comments, but in my head, I was like, he's going to say defense because they always say defense. And then with yeah. Gilbert, they're always going to say he needs to work on his command, the yeah. stuff that we can't quantify. And sure. even less so now, because, you know, at the alternate site, it's kind of a black box. Uh, I know there are even teams who aren't opted into data sharing at the alternate site. So even for, some teams, you know, their players are a black box, the other teams. So it's yeah. really it's disappointing. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing Kelnick and I'm looking forward to seeing Gilbert. And uh, hopefully they're up sooner than later and uh, their yeah. team can stop uh, robbing them of future wages. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The salary suppression is something that's going to bother me and because I'm a decent human being. I'm sorry about that. And RJ is too. So <laughs> we both we both don't like seeing it very much. Uh, I will say this at this point. The Mariners basically have to leave them down until the AAA season starts, at least, because you talk about a collusion case that they would have if they got called up now. I mean, you you talked about them needing actual AAA time, but I can't imagine they're in the minors very long. So let's talk about some names who are candidates to be on my top 10 prospect list very soon. Uh, RJ covers the MLB draft as well, and he does a fantastic job. It's uh, 
been fun watching watching you grow into an MLB draft connoisseur. Mm. Um, the 2021 draft, I talked to Keith about this uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I think we both had extremely high expectations for the class coming into the year. And I don't think that the class has necessarily lived up to those expectations. What would you make of the 2021 class? Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me is it's been very static in the top 10. You know, I just there released a new top 10. And I think like 80% of it is there from the preseason. And we're talking February, you know, not uh, March or whatever. And I don't know, I guess this being my first normal year, like last year, I kind of picked it up after the season had already ended. And right. so, of course, it was static, right? Um, yeah. But now it's like, okay, I expected to hit on maybe 60 to 70%. I know we're still months away and things can change, but I was a little surprised that it seems like the same names are there. Although, you know, that's still up to debate. I guess you could swap in another name or two. Maybe you would get it down to 60%, but that's been the most jarring thing. I do kind of agree that it feels like uh, it's been a little underwhelming, at least up the front. I guess you expected a couple of guys to take that next step. And instead, it feels like, more of the focus has been on people who haven't taken that step. Uh, right. Like Judd Fabian, unfortunately, like he was yeah. my preseason number three and now he might go in the top three rounds. Yeah. So yeah, it's been, it's been disappointing from that regard, but there's still a lot of talent at the top. And I think there are several players who could become all-star types. Uh, should everything click for them over the next 10 years? Yeah. I think that's fair to say too. I mean, I think that it has been interesting to see how static everything has been like, when I was back in the day doing MLB Draft Insider, I would always look mm. at like my preseason rankings and look at just like some guys that either went way up or just completely plummeted. It's kind of funny. Florida has had a history of that. There are some like JJ Schwartz looked like a potential first overall pick. Now, if you take a look at his minor league numbers and what he did in Florida after that, pretty ugly. But I, you can't compare the two. I just think with Fabian, it's just an issue of the contact. I mean, yeah. as, as talented as he is, there's just not enough contact. Um, one player that has definitely performed up to expectations, honestly succeeded, exceeded them is Jack Leiter. And I think you have him as your number one prospect. I think almost yeah. everybody outside of, of one guy that we actually both know very well has uh, him at number one. Uh, but so Jack Leiter, I think is pretty clearly the best prospect in this class, but how would you compare him to some of the other best prospects in this class? Is this a future ace or is this more of a future mid rotation starter could be in between as well? Uh, you know, ace is such a loaded concept. It and, really is. You know, I think we're having to change what exactly that means because right. of how baseball is changing. And so while that seems like a weasel of an answer, I will say that I think lighter is really built for this era of baseball. Um, sure. You know, is if it was 10, 15 years ago, his size would be used against them. And his fastball being more vertically uh, slanted instead of horizontal would be used against them. And now you're talking about someone who fits the idea of the vertical approach angle, attack angle. And, you know, he can live up at the top of the zone. Again, 15 years ago, that would have been looked upon a little differently. So right. I quite like him. I know he needs to show, show more consistency with his secondary pitches. But by all accounts, he's a hard worker. Obviously, he has great bloodlines. I know he was adding new pitches to his arsenal uh, over the winter, and he seems like a guy who's going to go out there and get it, um, provided he lands with an organization that makes the same effort to help their pitching prospects. I think he has a chance to be an ace. At the same time, you know, again, that's a very loaded concept. So if I were right. just saying, here's what I think is most likely, I would probably say number two, 
maybe a number three if you don't really buy into the breaking balls or if you don't really think he's going to command the ball well or, you know, whatever. That's fine. Uh, but, yeah, I would say I think he's going to be a pretty good starter. You know, wherever he falls on that, I think he's going to be right. a pretty good starter. And I think, you know, if I were the Pittsburgh Pirates, he would be my choice. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I think if it isn't uh, Jack Leiter, they've made a huge mistake. I had uh-huh. I had Kumar Rocker as my top prospect coming into the year. And I still like Rocker. And it wouldn't shock me if Rocker ended up being – the better pitcher long term, if if we can figure out some stuff with missing more bats with the fastball, but I, I think at this point you have to take lighter. Um, this is a interesting class in terms of college bats, and I was looking at your rankings, and again, we'll make sure and promote that th- those are up now. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, a name that stuck out immediately to me, and it's a name that I, I've been hearing an awful lot about, is Louisville catcher Henry Davis. So yeah. talk a little bit about Henry Davis and. What type of player you think he can be going forward? Yeah, I had him number eight preseason and then the little capsule. I said, don't be surprised if he goes higher. And now he's number five. <laughs> and the reason that I have been higher on him, I think, than the consensus is because when you look at his game, it's a very attractive skill set. I mean, at the right. plate, he rarely swings and misses. And yet when he makes contact, he makes hard contact. Sure. Obviously, that's pretty valuable from a catcher. And by the way, he's going to stick back there. He has experience catching big league level arms. He has a very, very good arm. I haven't heard any reason to think that he's not going to be able to improve his framing. So, you know, when you add it all together, and I will note, you know, I've talked to scouts who have concerns that the swing is a little too strength-based and that he will be exposed a little bit as he climbs the ladder. Could come to fruition. You know, I'm not right. saying otherwise. Um but at the end of the day, I think he has a chance to be a, a pretty good two-way starting catcher. And obviously, that has a great deal of value, not only in real life, but also in fantasy. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's really important, what you just brought up about his defensive skills. Because, no, this is not uh, an elite defensive backstop from everything I've seen. But he can yeah. stick behind there. And that really matters. Because if he has to move to first base or if he had to move to – no, he's not a horrible athlete. But I think most people are giving him – 40 runtime grades. So not, not a guy who is like a candidate to be like a, a solid outfielder or anything like that. I think he's pretty probably limited to either catcher first base or maybe third base. If you're feeling real good about that arm and feeling real good yeah. about your shifts, but that really matters. The, the fact that the positional value of catcher is so important. Uh, I I'm a big fan. I think I would rank him. Uh, I was going to ask you and I just forgot to, if you think he's the top college bat in this class, I think yeah. he's pretty easily the top college bat in this class. I think I think he has to be. And I would say, yeah. you know, your point about the catching being adequate, just look at Adrian Del Castillo, University of Miami catcher. He's a very good hitter too, very intelligent. Right. I know he's worked on his defense. I don't know if he's going to get there enough to be a big league catcher. Although, you know, the wild card in all of this is, well, what if robot umpires are installed? All of a sudden, right. framing might be less important and maybe sure. some of these borderline candidates – who can really hit are going to be more valuable than we realize in the present day. Yeah, that, that's a great point. Um, so, so definitely uh, we like those two guys. I thought this yeah. would be kind of interesting. Um, so a t- it's a way to kind of take a deeper look at the, the 2021 class. And I'm going to ask you to pick between a couple of players and the first are So clearly the top shortstop in this class is Jordan Lawler, a, a yeah. legitimate candidate to be the first overall pick, whether he should be or not. Um, and he's certainly a good player. But I think there's a little bit of a debate between who that next shortstop will be. And, the, and both of these guys are potential, I think, top 10 picks at least, potentially yeah. top five. Brady House versus Marcelo Meyer. 
of those two, which one do you like better from a fantasy perspective? I think I would go with Meyer. I just think that he's going to be able to add a little bit more value on like the base paths. I think he can get the 15 to 20 home runs, or at least I know evaluators who think that. I should say, you know, I'm like pretending I'm the expert here. <laughs> it's um, okay. And I, yeah, I think he's gonna. I think he has a chance to add average home runs, runs, perhaps stolen bases as well. Um, that said, you know, Brady House is a pretty good prospect as well, and talk about top end power. I think he's got a really good chance to provide that. So right. And uh, in the real world, I would also go with Meyer just because I think he's a sure bet to stick a shortstop. I think he's like. He might be the shortest bet to stick a shortstop in the entire draft. So, yeah, that's 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 a great point. And uh, but to me, the, the big difference here, I think, is just that I am a much bigger believer in Myers' hit tool than I am in Houses. But I, I think this is close. Yeah. I, I, both of these guys, if you're playing in in a dynasty format, definitely guys that I would be trying to acquire real quick. But but I, I have to agree, I'm going to go Myers as well. Uh, college uh, outfield bats, uh, kind of a weird class this year, but a couple of guys that I kind of like. Uh, first of all, we have Sal Freilich, and I know it's pronounced Freilich because RJ did me the <laughs> service of making sure we pronounced his name right, uh, against uh, Colton Kowser. Both of these guys, I think, have the potential to really hit very different builds um, yeah. and a little bit different skill sets. But of the two, which one are you preferring? That's a tough one because I think in real world terms, you know, Freilich kind of gets compared to Brett Gardner. And then for right. Colton Gallagher, he kind of reminded me of David Murphy, the old Rangers outfielder because of his setup, because of his frame, because you know, a bit of a front foot hitter, blah, 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 blah. Um, sure. In terms of like the actual real world prospects, I have Freilich rated a little higher. I know that the main knock against him is his height, which, you know, if you look at the track record, maybe that shouldn't be a concern <laughs> right. whereas with Kowser, you know he's coming from a little bit of a smaller school a smaller program than say you know if you were in the sec or what have you but you can't knock the hit and, you know if he's showing more power and if scouts believe that power is real i might actually go Kowser for fantasy purposes just because i think you know the bat has a chance to be very good and uh, a little better than Freilich, even if Freilich might be the better all-around player when all is said and done yeah it's really close for me i'm barely going Freilich just because I think he's got a little bit better chance to help in the steals category. Real yeah. life, I'm going Kowser. I think Kowser is one of the most underrated players in this class. And I do think the one thing to point out, Sal Freilich, ACC, Boston College, Colton Kowser, Sam Houston, can't even remember the name of the conference. So that's, yeah. that's, 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 that's something that you do have to keep in mind here. But I think it's very close. Again, both guys that I would be looking to target, but especially if you're in a dynasty league and you're looking for somebody to help you with steals, I would go with Freilich. And then yeah. uh, college arms as well. I think the one, two, three is kind of set here. In my personal opinion, it's lighter, it's rocker, and then it's Hoagland. But then yeah. I do see a lot of people who I, uh, I should say that's Gunnar Hoagland of uh, Mississippi. Ole Miss, yeah. Ole Miss, yes. So uh, the, uh, the other two arms that I see kind of mentioned in this list are, uh, are Ty Madden of Texas and – uh, and I just, this is great job by Chris that he forgot the name <laughs> right as he was about to say it. Ryan Cusick of Wake Forest. Uh, again, pretty different pitchers, I think, in terms of build and stuff, but yeah. have a kind of a similar chance of success. But which one are you liking in terms of uh, potential fantasy uh, yeah. perspective? It's such an interesting question because these two are like polar opposites in, time, in terms of development. You know, right. Madden, I know scouts are a little down on that Texas program's ability to develop players as well as they could, which is a weird thing to say about the University of Texas. Given it, it really is, 
Um, then with Wake Forest, I mean, their biomechanics lab is incredible. It's better than some te- major league teams, uh, you know, facilities. And you would think that if Cusick was going to take a step forward, it would be there. And I think he has improved. I think he's you know shown that he's a hard worker. So I guess if I were having to pick between him, I'd go with Cusick. I feel just a little safer with that selection, but I'm not sure you can go wrong with either. They both have the raw ingredients to be pretty good starters. And, you know, they're two uh, very interesting pitchers. I do agree that that one, two, three is pretty much etched in stone. But I don't know. I guess if you ask me, like, which of these two is more likely to be the top 10, I would say Cusick. I might be wrong about that, but I think I think he's the one for me. I don't think you are either. And I, I would go with that as well. I just think there's a little bit more upside in Cusick stuff. I mean, you see you see scouting grades that have him as on the 2080 scale, uh, a 70 fastball and a curveball that sometimes gets 60 grades, sometimes 55. Either way, yeah. you're looking at you're looking at a good pitch. At worst, if worst comes to worst, I think Cusick could be a fantastic reliever with that stuff. Um, especially six foot six, 235 pounds. I think he has that that size that you could and coming over uh, against right-handed pitch and right-handed hitters. I think he can be really successful. Madden yeah. maybe has a higher floor to me, but I I do have a little bit of concern about the fact that. It's a, a little silly, and it's funny we're talking about this because the NFL draft is today, technically. Um, we we kind of hear this stuff about uh, Justin Fields and the concern about Ohio State developing quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. We kind of have the same concern with Texas and their pitching and just hitting in general. It has been a while, really, since uh, we've gotten that Texas superstar. It sure seems that way. but So, yeah, right. I, I, I go Cusick, but I, again, and this is just repeating myself so much, both guys I'm definitely looking to target, but I think Cusick, you may look not look at Wake Forest as a uh, a baseball powerhouse, but they've developed some nice stuff, and, and I think Cusick has a chance to be among the best of them. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, yeah, they're really good at pitching development. I mean, we had sure. uh, last year, was it Schuster? He yep. rocketed up boards, and I think you're seeing that here as well, where Cusick has improved his stock in his draft year, and, again, he may have a chance to go top ten. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this is going to be an interesting time. Um, I'll probably have you on again after the draft to talk about uh, whether you – To look wounds. Yeah, to look you know, to, 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 to crow is actually what I was going to say. But if, if, you, want, if you want to self-nag, I guess you can do that as well. RJ, thank you so much for taking part. Uh, this was a lot of fun. Uh, anything you would like to promote, sir? Uh, no, I guess just the rest of the team's work, uh, cbssports.com slash MLB. You have – very good team. You know, I can't say enough about working with Catherine and Mike, Matt, and Dane. I know you are a, a big Dane fan as well. Uh, I I think a, everyone is a fan of Dane. <laughs> I am a fan of Dane. I I, I consider him a, a, an arch nemesis in uh, just the <laughs> way that it's it's the same way that you you you're mean to your your high school crush or something <laughs> like that. But he, he's he's fantastic. Again, thank you so much for taking part. Uh, stay tuned tomorrow, DJ and Drew, as they will try to match the magic of this show. I doubt they can. Uh, you can follow RJ on Twitter at R underscore J underscore Anderson. I have that right? You have that right. That's perfect. And you can follow me on Twitter at Crawford underscore M-I-L-B. That's probably the most I've ever said underscore in my life. So thanks again <laughs> for everyone. If you like what you heard, please review the show and subscribe and stay safe. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. 
Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Oh, the charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed.